Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Maxwell played a critical role in helping Epstein to identify minor victims for abuse. They have politicized a virus. Any escalatory actions by Russia would be of great concern. We'll have to face this new threat just as we face those that have come before it. We shouldn't be putting our trust on science and on politicians. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. We've got a a good program for you today. We're going to be joined by uh, one of the uh, thinkers up at the Heritage Foundation, Zach Smith. Uh, Zach is uh, a legal fellow in the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies. He has served as an assistant U.S. attorney for uh, the Northern District of Florida, and uh, he has written and studied a lot on a subject that we have talked about a number of times on this program, but it's dealing with the malfeasance that we see in prosecutors, district attorneys, state attorneys, chief prosecutors, dare I say state attorney generals, how they have misused Mis, the misuse of the law to the point that it could be criminal. And we'll be talking to him. I mean, the, the big story of recent days is um, the guy, Daryl Brooks, who drove his car through the uh, parade and how he was let out by, uh, who's the guy's name? John Chisholm, mm. who is a George Soros back prosecutor up in Milwaukee. He released Daryl Brooks. And he's the same guy that came out and said, you know what? People will die by this decision, but it's worth it, basically, is what he said. Common theme here. Yeah. Soros. Soros back yeah, district yeah, attorneys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fox News and another uh, a number of media outlets are reporting on that shooting up at a Michigan high school. It happened in Oxford, Michigan. That's about 30 miles north of Detroit. Not a lot of uh, details in. Three students were killed. It looks like there were six others, including at least one teacher that was injured. And uh, the shooter looks like the young man was a 15-year-old student at the high school. He was taken into custody. It looks as if he acted alone. And uh, that's that's about all we know. Uh, The sheriff deputies were called to the school at 1251 Eastern Time and um, apprehended the, the suspect with... Within five minutes, it didn't sound like he gave up uh, any kind of, uh, of a fight. But um, uh, again, this will fit the liberal media's narrative. So you'll probably hear a lot in the liberal media, CNN, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, NBC. You'll hear a lot about gun control. I mean, it is really almost shocking how they pick and choose the stories they want to cover that fit their narrative. Uh, one of the things we'll be talking about to Zach Smith is that situation up in uh, uh, outside of Milwaukee where the parade, um, that homicide took place, six people died. Um, that doesn't fit their narrative. So they don't report on that. But you watch, they'll report a lot on this Michigan high school shooting. Yeah, it makes me curious. I know it's very early, but um, just looking at the other news outlets, um, <laughs> Maybe it's early and they're not reporting anything, but you know they, when when they have a little bit of information, they jump to conclusions real early. So, not, they are not jumping to conclusions yet. So that either means there's absolutely no information out, or their information does not fit the typical there, narrative. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, or maybe they're scared to death they're going to get sued again. <laughs> we'll see. North State Journal, Carolina Journal, News and Observer are all reporting that Health and Human Services Secretary Mandy Cohen is going to be resigning. Uh, she's been on the job for five years. Yeah, some people said some nice things about her on both sides of the aisle, how she's tried to help with the the COVID situation. Uh, you know, that I, I think history will give her mixed reviews on that. But uh, apparently she's done. She's going to resign. The big question that nobody knows the answer to is, does she plan on running for something else? Now, initially, the North State Journal, when they came out with their and they looks like they were the ones that broke the story. There was a hint in their story that maybe she'll be running for the uh, U.S. Senate as mm-hmm. a Democrat. Um, she says she was a little coy with her response. No, no definitive plans, but I've got opportunities out there. I'll be looking at. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I, th- I think you know. I think that that hint, strong hint, that she may be running. It, that that's a plant from some political operative. It's probably in the works. But um, oh, they, they've she, got it all orchestrated. But they've she's got, got it all planned. Out. Yeah, she, she's got to have her team working behind the scenes if that's the, the facts. But she'll make the circuits, making a few bucks before then. I, I can see it coming. She'll she'll make some appearance fees on the networks and that type of thing. Now remember, she was with the Obama administration. Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, she has some national notoriety. Her replacement is a guy named Cody Kinsley, a native of Wilmington. He currently serves as the chief deputy secretary for Health and Human Services. Um, now, what's interesting about him is uh, his he's not really a medical doctor. His his background is in um, politics, in mental health. Now, when you say you're in mental health, that is a very, very broad um, generalization that, in a lot of ways, doesn't have a, a a good a good history. I mean, you you look at the number of uh, situations where Medicaid has been totally abused. Uh, there's a lot of connection. And look, I I know there's some good mental health folks out there. I'm not accusing everyone, but. If you go back and look at the number of times there's been fraud committed mm. with Medicaid, it usually is one of these behavioral centers dealing mm. with mental health. Um, so it's going to be interesting. The other thing that's interesting about this is Kinsley will be the first openly gay cabinet secretary in North Carolina history, this according to Governor Cooper's office. Now, I didn't bring that up. Governor Cooper brought that up. So is this another appointee Check. that checks off one of the boxes check the box and in a local station and one their first um their first report of this today on that's their, what they led with that's what they led with yeah and and not I, as qualifications and i personally don't give a darn i don't care i care if the guy's qualified of course i saw that he well know, is he qualified that's the question well and I, that's I, not what they led with no i i for personally uh i saw that he graduated from berkeley I, that's all i needed to know <laughs> I didn't want to listen to anything that comes out of his mouth. But. Yeah, yeah. He went to Brevard College, and uh, then he went to uh, under or, or postgraduate at University of California, Berkeley. But he, now, he, you know, you say you don't give a hoot. Well, to a certain degree, I agree with that. But I, I do give a hoot in the sense, is this going to be accompanied by some sort of an agenda for oh, this guy? It, oh, it absolutely always is with the democrats so in that case i do give a hoot well and and that's 
I guess I was saying I don't give a hoot because I, I really don't care, and no one should care about his his sexual preference or who he dates or whatever. But that's always the case with the Democrats. Isn't it interesting? They got to check the box. Now I, I'm older than you, but when this started becoming public decades ago, it was hey, what be hap- what happens in the privacy of our bedroom is nobody's business. It's totally private. It's nobody's business. That's not the that's not the uh, talking point today. No. Now no. it's uh, now it's you've got to celebrate and we're going to wear it on our shirt sleeve and well, it's it's part of the democrat, you know, party agenda of yeah. an, another boxing people in boxes of single issues. And they're, you know, they convince those single issues of all the gays in America. Um, it's the Democrat Party, not anyone else, just saying that the Republican Party hates them. That that's that's all they do, and they do that with every victimization, victimization of every segment of the population. And um, I mean, personally, if I was him, I don't know the guy from Adam's house cat, but if I was him, the fact that the governor's office leads leads that I'm the first openly gay cabinet member would offend me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because. What the hell does that got to do with anything? Yeah. Are you qualified? Are you qualified? It's just – but that's that's Democrat Party agenda. If you don't, And if you don't see it, you're – I don't know, you're blind. Well, and, <laughs> I mean, really. And when you lead with, you know, one of these secondary tertiary characteristics, it, it sort of makes one think that, okay, the guy, I guess, isn't really qualified. Yeah. Because I, if they're leading with <laughs> the fact that he's the first openly gay – member of the cabinet it's like okay so what does that have to do with health and human services mm. news and observer and a carolina journal and probably some other outlets as well are reporting that republicans have gotten their first win in a north carolina gerrymandering lawsuit with uh, two other cases looming so we've got one one down two to go the 2022 elections are moving ahead as scheduled so far after a wake county judge earlier today refused to grant the request of a voting rights group that wanted to delay the march 8th primary again you know you wonder is this really about the maps or is this more anarchy is this just more confusion the group was seeking to push the primary back to may to give lawmakers time to redraw the maps they just passed which determined the political districts for the north carolina 14th uh 14 seats in the House of Representatives, as well as 170 seats in the House and the Senate, the State House and the Senate. So this group comes in and says, um, okay, we want you to move the primary back to May because of these maps. Well, so right now the maps are legal. <laughs> Why would you move that back? And that's basically what – and now the, the judge that ruled on this is a Republican. What's his first name? His last name is Shirley. Um, Judge Shirley. Is Judge Shirley. Um, anyway, he is a Republican. But he came out and said, now, look, there, there's two other cases coming up. And I'm, I'm telling you, I've got to rule against the people that want to push the primary back because there, there's, there's no harm here. Judge, I mean, nothing. Judge, mm, I'm sorry. <laughs> nothing is going on right now. Judge so, Graham Shirley. Graham, Graham Shirley, Shirley, yeah. So anyway, he said, so, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm strictly ruling on this as no, there's no harm. There's no reason to move it back because right now 
the the maps are legal. No no judge or no court has ruled that you got to redraw the maps. Mm-hmm. Well, he sounded like a judge that was trying to uh, consider the facts of the case and the law instead of politics. Yeah. And, you know, something that Democrat judges have a hard time doing and Democrat attorney generals have a hard time doing. Mitch Coquet from the Carolina Journal wrote a really interesting op-ed piece, which he might have been listening to our program yesterday. I think he was. I I emailed him. I didn't think he was going to take it serious, but uh, I'm kidding. (laughs) We we have to say it was good because he said the same thing we said yesterday. But, you know, and and he, he put it in some humorous terms as well. Didn't quite bloviate as much as us. No, but but, but you know, I mean, he just said, okay. The essence of his of his op-ed was his opinion piece was, where you Democrats are all upset about gerrymandering, and uh, you know it doesn't appear that you remember what happened in recent history, and uh, he, he uh, quoted the uh, Princess Bride where who was that one character <laughs> said, "What you're doing is inconceivable," <laughs> but. The, the gerrymandering objections by the Democrats uh, seem to be falling on uh, thin ice. Yeah, and, and, and in his article, he talked about something that we couldn't remember yesterday. But, you know, the Duke uh, mathematician that's testified right. a number of times for Democrat for on the Democrat side for some of their lawsuits has pretty much has pretty much said that. Uh, Hey, these maps are pretty good. Yeah. Actually, I they, mean, and in fact, he he, and I'm I'm uh, summing up what he said, but he he basically said that these are the least gerrymandering maps perhaps I've ever seen. Yeah, this is the opposite of gerrymandering, and that's what we talked about yesterday in the, in the '90s. I remember the map in the '90s, and and if I was, of course, I'm no lawyer, but if I was in in court, I would just. I'll just pull up two graphics of the current map. Inconceivable. And the map from the 90s and say, okay, which one, of, which one of these are gerrymandered? Yeah. Is the inconceivable button uh, <laughs> stuck or what? I think Clark found that inconceivable. <laughs> hey, stay with us. Lots more to talk about. When we get back, we're going to be joined by Zach Smith from the Heritage Foundation, and we'll be talking about malfeasance by attorney generals, chief prosecutors, state attorneys, and uh, it'll be an interesting conversation. Stay with us. We'll be right back. A collection of question marks. A lot of questions. Why? How? No logic, no reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Worst nightmare of their lives. This long nationwide nightmare. We'll start collecting clues as to the whys, the whats, and the wheres. Neighborhood by neighborhood. Literally knocking on doors. This is your worst nightmare. The nightmare. It would be a nightmare. Worst nightmare. We will not end the nightmare. We'll only explain it. Explain to us. Because this. This. This is News and Views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. 23 minutes past the top of the hour. You know, we've been talking about malfeasance by prosecutors district attorneys state attorneys chief prosecutors uh state attorney generals uh uh, even our own josh stein making some backroom deals but you know you had the situation up in milwaukee county where this individual daryl brooks i hate to even mention his name drove his suv through the parade and john chisholm who was the George Soros back prosecutor up there. Remember, he came out and made that statement, and I'm paraphrasing here, but 
Well, I'll read it verbatim. Quote, is there going to be an individual I divert or I put into a treatment program who's going to go out and kill somebody? You bet. Guaranteed. It's guaranteed to happen. You know, and we talked about that when when this story first broke. This is malfeasance. Now, I'm not an attorney, but I would say it's criminal malfeasance. Fortunately, we do have somebody with more expertise than either Benny or I, Zach Smith, who uh, has a part of the Heritage Foundation as a legal fellow in the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies. He has also served several years as an assistant U.S. attorney in the Northern District of Florida. He's on the phone with us right now. Zach, welcome into News and Views. Good to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, You and a couple of your colleagues wrote a... uh, really good detailed uh, story, which I guess is up on the Daily Signal, uh, dealing with not only guys like John Chisholm, but um, rogue district attorney Larry Krasner up in Philadelphia, who his policies led to the murder of a Philadelphia corporal in the police department. Uh, Kim right. Fox, who <laughs> she's she's known for uh, all the fiasco that's going up in Chicago. We've got Chessa uh, uh, Bowden, out in San Francisco, and I guess he is—he can take credit for all these uh, flash mob robberies we see going on out in California. What? Uh, let me circle back to my original introduction. Is—is uh, is this criminal malfeasance? Well, look, I think what we're seeing—we're seeing a crop of rogue, radical, left-wing George Soros-backed prosecutors who have come into office around the country and who are refusing to do their jobs. They're refusing to prosecute broad categories of crimes, things like drug possession, things like shoplifting, things like prostitution, that they simply don't think should be crimes, shouldn't be criminally punished. Now, I think that's a very dangerous idea. I think the crime statistics bear that out. We're seeing this lawlessness, this lack of prosecution leading to increased violent crimes in many of the cities that you mentioned. Uh, We saw a 30 percent spike in homicide rates across the country uh, last year. Uh, But look, at the end of the day, a prosecutor's job, uh, especially a local DA's job, is to enforce the laws as they're written by that state's legislature. These prosecutors are refusing to do that. And in the process, they're making their communities less safe. But, you know, if we were talking about uh, as we were getting ready to go on the air. Remember, it was the Ford Motor Company that came out with a Pinto that, I mean, this is a couple of decades, well, several decades ago. They were getting rear-ended, and the, the gas tank was exploding, and people were burning to death in their cars. And a court said, this is malfeasance, and criminal malfeasance, as I recollect. I mean, again, it's been decades ago, and Ford was held responsible to the point where they had to pay out millions and millions of dollars to the victims of these poorly designed Ford Pintos. Now, what's the difference between somebody who has a poorly designed, uh, well, this, this guy, John Chisholm, sure. who has a very poorly designed uh, pol- uh, philosophy, a judicial philosophy, and you have six people get killed in a parade by a guy that should have been behind bars. Why shouldn't he personally be held responsible? Well, look, unfortunately, one of the issues with this rogue prosecutor movement is that they sweep into office kind of using these platitudes, these feel-good phrases about 
fair and equal justice. Of course we all want that. We want our system to be fair. We want everyone to be equal before the eyes of the law. But that's not what they mean. They fundamentally meet, they think, our criminal justice system is fundamentally broken, that it's endemically racist, and that there's a mass incarceration problem in our country. I disagree with all of those things. Uh, but I think as the consequences of their policies and the contours of their policies become more obvious, that citizens are getting fed up with it. You know, we're seeing in San Francisco, there was a petition to recall Chase Boudin there, their rogue left-wing prosecutor. I think it's going to be on the ballot uh, during the next election cycle. We're starting to see some of these other rogue DAs backpedal or try to soft-pedal some of their more radical policies they've implemented because their community members are starting to push back uh, once they realize what these policies are and more troublingly, what the consequences of these policies are. Do you expect at least a civil lawsuit? For example, the little boy, the eight-year-old boy that uh, died up in the uh, parade uh, by this um, uh, uh, Daryl Brooks. Uh, do you? Uh, yeah, I would. I would think that there is going to be some sort of civil lawsuit against John Chisholm because I mean, this guy Daryl Brooks doesn't have anything, but John Chisholm probably does. Well, look, the way the law is currently written, prosecutors enjoy broad discretion uh, in terms of what charges to bring and what charges not to bring. And they enjoy broad immunity from suit for most of those decisions. Now, there is an ongoing debate about how far that immunity should extend, what it should be. But the current law would probably make it difficult to sue uh, John Chisholm directly. But look, I think that highlights part of the problem with this rogue prosecutor movement. They've essentially usurped for themselves the power of their state's legislature. They nullify laws that they simply disagree with. And in the process, they harm the members of their community who often need their protection the most, uh, the poorest and most vulnerable members of their communities. Uh, and so, again, this is a very problematic uh, movement. It's a national movement that's being funded by a few left-wing billionaires like George Soros. A couple of his uh, uh, cohorts, uh, Brian Moskowitz and Kerry Tuna, uh, Brian Moskowitz made his money through Facebook. And unfortunately, it's an effort to essentially short-circuit our system and in the process fundamentally transform our criminal justice system into something I don't think any of us would recognize and, frankly, something I don't think any of us uh, should or would want it to be. Go ahead, Ben. Uh, hey, Zach, this is Benny. We, we've talked about this on our program a number of times. I, I think one time I, we counted up, it was upwards to tw at least 20 district attorneys across the United States from from the east to the west coast uh, that's backed by George Soros. What I mean, I hate I hate to get you to speculate, but so much. But what, what exactly is your theory behind um, – you know what? What is the ultimate goal here? Yeah, what's their motivation? I mean, I, I know it's you know politically. Maybe it's uh, to to your point. You know, they always talk about the social injustices and the the uh, the fact right. that in, minorities are incarcerated at rates much higher and that type of thing. But I mean, what is the, what is the ultimate goal? Is it is it anarchy? Is it uh, just a loss of civilization or what? Well, that's a great question, Benny. Uh, look, I think it does go back to what I was saying earlier. Unfortunately, these rogue radical 
prosecutors and their supporters have bought into this false ideology that our criminal justice system is systemically racist, that's fundamentally broken, and that we have a mass incarceration problem. Again, I disagree with all of those things, to your point, uh, that's often made by these rogue prosecutors, uh, that minority uh, community members, particularly young black males, are incarcerated at a much higher percentage uh, than those same individuals are found in the population. Well, the fact is, unfortunately, young black males commit a disproportionate amount of violent crime in our country. And so, of course, young black males are going to be disproportionately incarcerated. Um, but look, you know, this idea that we somehow are going to reimagine our criminal justice system, that we're not going to lock up even violent offenders in some cases, that we're not going to seek bail conditions, uh, like unfortunately happened uh, in this uh, Wisconsin case, uh, sufficient to protect our community and not see any adverse consequences from that. That's just nonsense. And unfortunately, I think, the again, the crime statistics and the real-world issues that we're seeing, uh, like what happened in Wisconsin, like what we're seeing out in California uh, with the flash mobs robbing stores, leaving CVSs with you know, trash bags full of goods, that's going to continue until and unless these prosecutors start doing their jobs or someone who will do the job uh, comes into office and prosecutes criminals, holds them accountable, and seeks justice for the victims of crime. You know, I, I, your, your expertise is a lot further ahead than ours will ever be on this issue, Zach. But when you consider, you know, the, the garbage that a lot of these police officers are going through and they're having right. criminal charges brought against them. Uh, Michael, you know, uh, what was Daryl? Um, what was the guy's name that uh, shot Michael Brown? And then you have the situation with the police officer. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying with the police officer uh, up uh, with George Floyd, you know, I don't know that he acted properly, but, but they're being charged criminally. And uh, do, do, do police officers have a lot less immunity than some of these DAs do? Well, I think these DAs, their, their uh, priorities are misplaced. Look, everyone agrees. If a police officer violates the law, they need to be held accountable, just like anyone else in society. Unfortunately, that's not what this movement is pursuing. They're pursuing and supporting this radical left-wing defund the police movement that's essentially seen police officers around the country demonized and demoralized for much of the past year and a half or more. And, you know, one of the things that I always worry about with our police officers who do have very difficult, dangerous jobs in our society is kind of this Ferguson effect or Minneapolis effect on steroids, where police officers are not being encouraged to do their jobs, to arrest criminals, to protect their communities, and instead are hesitant to take action uh, because they're afraid of civil lawsuits, because they're afraid they're going to be targeted for prosecution by these rogue DAs. And so when you see the police officers in these communities pulling back, not being allowed to do their jobs, again, that's part of this uh, whole phenomena that's contributing to the spike in violent crimes across our communities. You know, unfortunately, the poorest members of our communities do not have the luxury that many of these government officials have of having taxpayer-provided security details. They can't afford to hire private security. 
all of us, uh, you know, normal folks out in the community depend in part on the police officers to help protect us and to keep our communities safe. And so when the police are not allowed to do their jobs, again, you know, the inevitable results are going to be crime is going to increase uh, in those communities. Well, and again, John Chisholm said, yeah, it's going to happen. I guarantee it's going to happen. Right. Even to the point of people right. dying. And, and again, right. I, 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 uh, <laughs> you're the expert. I'm not. But it's very, very frustrating that they're so slippery that they can't be held accountable. But look into your crystal ball. Where do you see public opinion going? Where do you see our judicial system going? Where do you – I mean, is, is this uh, a temp- – is this – the new normal or is this just a blip on the radar and is it going to disappear do you think well look i don't think it's necessarily that these road da's cannot be held accountable they may not be able to be held accountable for money damages through a civil lawsuit but certainly the mo- the easiest way for them to be held accountable is for voters to vote them out of office uh, to make clear that if they don't change their policies then they're going to be held accountable at the ballot box we're also seeing in some states uh, like virginia or where a republican attorney general was just elected uh the republican ag seeking to step in and kind of fill the gap a little bit more again out uh, california and san francisco we're starting to see recall efforts uh against chase of uh out there uh you know unfortunately i think things are probably going to get worse in the short term uh, especially in many of these cities where rogue prosecutors are in office uh because they're essentially doubling down on many of their most dangerous policies look no further than george gascon out in la uh, who's not only pro- not prosecuting entire categories of crime but also isn't seeking sentencing enhancements even for the most vile, violent offenders. I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a father who decapitated two of his children mm. and then forced his other children to go look at the headless, lifeless bodies of mm. the children he just My murdered. Mm. George Gascon said that case was not deserving of uh, enhanced sentencing penalties. His office would not seek enhanced sentencing uh enhancements for that case. And so, again, I think this really highlights just how radical many of these policies are. And I think and I hope the more people realize what exactly these policies are, how radical they are, and what the terrible consequences of these policies are, uh, that the tide will begin to turn uh, against, you know, these individuals and their policies. Well, and in some of these cases, I think the deputies under these prosecuting attorneys are actually right. saying mutiny. We're not. Go- we're not going to mm-hmm. follow your lead. That's certainly the case out in L.A. And you know, again, there is a wide variation among states and the civil service protections uh, that the deputy DAs have. So in L.A., for instance, the deputy DAs enjoy broad civil service protection and they can you know, push back a little more aggressively. Uh, unfortunately, in some places like Philadelphia, uh, Larry Krasner essentially cleaned house uh, in his first few days in office uh, and got rid of anyone who opposed his radical policies. Uh, but I am hopeful that the more these policies come to light, uh, the more uh, we as citizens will begin to push back against these rogue uh, district attorneys. Well, hopefully Virginia is a uh, positive sign, and we'll see more of that in some of these other states. I, I would have to think you you would. I mean, even as liberal as some of these communities are, as, as they see the anarchy and mayhem, uh, I would think the voters would say enough is enough. Yeah, at some point there's going to be a single event that the worm turns dramatically. <laughs> you know, the... 
The, well, if that parade wasn't it, yeah, I don't know what is. But but it's kind of interesting. The parade, uh, it's not being talked about much in the mainstream yeah. media. Um, it's it's really amazing, really. Yeah. Zach, thanks for joining us. Interesting stuff. We'll continue to uh, stay in touch and uh, follow your writings on. Uh, and I, I th- this uh, your article yesterday did appear in the Daily Signal. Am I right? That's absolutely right. Uh, and also, if anyone's interested in following me on Twitter, it's at TZ Smith, at TZ Smith. Or you can follow everything my colleagues and I write at heritage.org. Okay. Well, we've got it up on the screen as well. So uh, thanks, Zach. Keep up the good work and uh, uh, keep praying for America. We're in a pickle. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Stay Thank with you us. for having me on. You Take bet. Care. Thank you. We'll be right back. And ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Uh, it is going to be uh, cool tonight. Not as cold as it was last night. Clear skies, low around 35. Wednesday, sunshine comes out high near 63. Thursday, mostly sunny with high near 68. And Friday will be in the 70s. So that sounds good. You know, talking about the double standard, you said, okay, when, when is the worm going to turn? When is enough enough? Yesterday, Jonathan Turley reported on his column a guy named Thomas Toss Alexander Starks of Lisbon, North Dakota, 31 years old. He took an axe to the office of Senator John Hoven in Fargo last year on December 21st. Federal sentencing, 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 I'll get it out. Sentencing. Sentencing guidelines suggested 10 to 16 months in prison. He was only given probation and fined $2,700 for restitution. And then he mocked the FBI. Why? Because they returned his axe to him. Now, compare that. So this guy took an axe to the senator's office. (laughs) Compare that to... The 41 months given to Jacob Chansley, a.k.a. QAnon Shaman. Something QAnon like Shaman. He <laughs> was given 41 months in prison. Buffalo horn guy. Yeah. Yeah, the Viking. <laughs> Viking, yeah. Uh, it, it, again, the malfeasance and the picking and choosing of who's going to be imprisoned and who's going to be Blinked at, let go, eh, whatever. Oh yeah, and, and you know, I, I'm not, I'm not defending by any means anyone that damaged property on the January 6th incidents in Washington. But you know, the way the Democrats and the mainstream media you know, portrayed that as you know the the the, <laughs> the biggest insurrection since worse than the Civil War, the eight, since the War of 1812 yeah. or something, yeah. and they forget about when you know. Um, the folks up in uh, in Washington blew blew up Senate chambers, set off a bomb yeah. in Senate chambers back in what eighty two or three, I think it was. Um, I, it's just which didn't they have ties to uh, the uh, Bill Clinton's buddy. Um, well, J- uh, Jerry Nadler requested the pardon 
uh, the same because he he was a new new. I think the guy was yeah. a New Yorker, and Jerry yeah. Nadler's New York representative. You know, been in like everybody else, been in Congress for seventy five years. Wow. But Bill Clinton pardoned him. Yeah, and uh, before he left office. Interesting story just came out on Fox News. A Democratic group who claim they fight disinformation. Uh, they've paid nearly a million dollars for disinformation. A nonprofit heavily backed and liberal donors were set up to combat disinformation. But new tax documents reveal the group paid hundreds of thousands of dollars in 2020 to the researchers who created the discredited Steele dossier. The Democracy Integrity Project paid $521,000 to Christopher Steele and $405,000 to Fusion GPS last year, according to recently publicized tax forms. The Democracy Integrity Project seeks to protect the integrity of democratic elections around the world, primarily by engaging and managing a network of experienced organizations and individuals who work to uncover details through research and data analysis. Um, now, these are the same people. I mean, that's what they claim. But then they turn around, and basically they're the ones that funded Christopher Steele and funded Fusion GPS. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. There's so many. There's so many uh, what I call fake nonprofits out there that enjoy. Do uh, well, you think the IRS is going <clears> to <throat> take anything away from them? Oh no, no, no. no they they will. They will if it's uh, something on the conservative side. But you know the interesting thing about this. I mean. The, it's been definitely, and I don't know if it's related to this issue or the Jeffrey Epstein's girlfriend issue. Can't remember her name. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. Yeah, Miss Maxwell. Maxwell. Yeah. But the Clintons have been awful quiet for the last mm-hmm. several weeks, mm-hmm. and I think it's got more to do with this story than the Maxwell story. Um, I mean, everybody knows Clinton's a dog, but uh, but Hillary Clinton. Um, Are you talking about Hillary or? or uh... <laughs> well. <laughs> Yeah, but I, that could be used for either one. I mean, but, fit, fitting for anyone. <laughs> Two different meanings. But um, by the way, the New York Times reported in 2018. Guess who gave a million dollars to the democ the Democrat uh, the Democracy Integrity Project? Soros, your buddy George Soros. Inconceivable. Yep. You know at what point? And I, I was thinking about asking Zach this, but at what point? You know, it's it's clear that the progressives and the Democrat Party have have made an effort to go after the judicial elections and certain uh, elections within the executive branch. You know, whether it be the district attorney's office or whatever, um, all over the country. I mean, campaign finance laws to me should prevent people like George Soros or or me from contributing to a DA's campaign in California. I mean, what the heck do I have to do with that? Right. I mean, that should be something against that, in my opinion. But Well, and you begin to wonder, too, uh, you know, and, and I realize the Supreme Court has said, okay, you know, this is free speech. But if you're a billionaire, should you be allowed to go in and fund elections, as we've seen George Soros do, as we've seen, you know, the head of Facebook, the head of Twitter, mm-hmm. all these other guys that have more money than sense, uh, Gates and others, should they be allowed to basically outspend the cumulative donations of all the little guys? Right. I think that's a question you have to ask yourself. Hey, we got to take another time out. Stay with us. More news and views coming up and an interesting story about uh, 
another blunder by Joe. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Did you hear about this? We won this Democrats should listen to the voters. This happened. Talking about Brandon. Biden. Brandon administration. Are you ready for this? Five 11-year-old. Kids could start getting shots. What about this? The rising cost of inflation. This is government gone wild. What about this? That's what's at stake right now. Because this is life, and this is Eastern Carolina's place to talk. Every day at 5 o'clock with Tom and Benny on News and Views. This, 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 this will be the moment. Welcome back in. Uh, more on that shooting up in the Michigan High School. A 15-year-old student at Michigan High School was taken into custody earlier today shooting after shooting three students, injuring eight others, including one teacher, according to the Oakland County Sheriff's Office. The deceased victims, a 16-year-old male, a 14-year-old female, a 17-year-old female. Two of the injured victims were in surgery as of 5 o'clock this afternoon. Six others were in stable condition with gunshot wounds. Sheriff deputies were called to Oxford High School around 12.51, apprehended the suspect within five minutes. The shooter, who authorities believe acted alone, was uninjured, is not answering questions at this time, and uh, it looks as if uh, the parents have uh, hired an attorney, and uh, right now they're staying mum. So we don't know what the motivation was, and um, all, all we know is the uh, young man is not cooperating with police in terms of trying to find out more so that uh, will be a uh, ongoing saga and uh, oh my goodness my heart breaks for three families who have lost their uh, dear children it uh, it breaks your heart town halls reporting joe biden signed multiple pieces of legislation from the fake white house across the street in the eisenhower office building <laughs> come on man i know well, it was during the event, he repeatedly took off his mask and turned towards attendees to speak. The bills were on protecting moms who served the Act of 2021, the Higher Veterans Health Heroes Act of 2021, and uh, several other deals that he signed off on. Before signing, Biden started to read the title of the legislation. He couldn't get through it. He finally gave up. And uh, just sort of mumbled through a brief summary summary of each of the bills. Shortly afterwards, Biden started speaking off script, which prompted the White House tech team to cut his mic and suddenly blast music over the live stream. Colonel, how are you? Well, I tell you what, whatever she tells me she's going to do, I just say yes. We served, we served together when we were lieutenants. Oh, oh great. Hey, Wallace, how old are you? So, he started, uh, ta- apparently he started talking to some 11-year-old girl in the crowd. First thing he says was, well, hi, honey, how old are you? And that's when the tech cut his mic and started playing they, the music. They knew it was coming. So- <laughs> Something very stupid was getting ready to come out of his mouth. <laughs> you can't make it up. Cousin Eddie. Inconceivable. Yeah, you're always good for a laugh. Stay with us. Oh, no. No, we're not stay with us. We're gone. Till tomorrow, 5 o'clock. Come back then. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.